Men and their works have been a disease on the surface of their planets before now. Nature tends to compensate for diseases, to remove or encapsulate them, to incorporate them into the system in her own way. The historical system of mutual pillage and extortion stops here on Arrakis. You cannot go on forever stealing what you need without regard to those who come after. The physical qualities of a planet are written into its economic and political record. We have the record in front of us, and our course is obvious. Hello everyone, welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee III. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Allison. Today, we're joined by returning champion, Carlo Yeager Rodriguez, science fiction author, to talk about one of the biggest science fiction books of all time. Dune, Desert Planet, Arrakis. Folks, we're finally talking about it. The OG, the original. Frank Herbert's Dune. Mm -hmm. So much comes for this. Published in amazingly 1965, if you can believe it. And wow. we're still making it. We're still trying to make it. We're still copying it. That's fertile IP, <laughs> Leslie. That's 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 incredible IP right I mean, there. You no Dune, maybe you don't have Star Wars. You certainly don't have 1984 Dune or Sci-Fi Dune or Denny Villeneuve's Dune. I mean, you definitely don't have Star Wars. He he actively, like, you certainly don't have any mention of spice in Star Wars, <laughs> if not for this. Yeah, so, so influential, so big. I'm so happy to talk about the actual book. We've done the show on the movie, but I feel like the book is, general, uh, is generally overlooked in popular culture. Like, a lot of people just don't read the actual book Dune. People know about it. People know the story, and obviously with this massively successful movie a lot of people are into dune but i didn't see a lot of people talking about the book itself so i wanted to do it i wanted to dive into it and the first thing i wanted to say is it's actually a good book it's worth reading the number one thing people say when they mention dune is like oh the book is too long and too boring and not that good it's like it's not that long and it's pretty damn good i think yeah yeah i think that i think that the do uh, this dune book rocks um i've read yeah i've read i've read all six of the frank herbert dune books i haven't read the ones written by his son and a Star Wars extended universe writer. I understand there's like like 12 of them or something like that. I'm not doing it. But yeah, the, the first Dune book is is really like a a really quite excellent science fiction book. Uh, it has a lot of like deep ideas in it. And, you know, for for everyone that says that it's too long or something, I think it's it's actually quite like like. I, I don't know. Like, I feel like you could read this book if you were in high school. You know, you know what I mean? I mean like, it, obviously. it has a lot of big. It has a lot of big ideas. Middle school, even. I would say. Yeah, it has a lot I of cool stuff, but audience. it's not. It's not too difficult of a read. Um, and yeah, it really is like a a, a quite 
good feels it's a very rich world um which you obviously explore more in the the remaining five books and and yeah it's got a lot of big ideas and and it just is really really cool you know you kind of have to put yourself in this place where star wars and all the rest of this shit didn't exist yet you know what i mean and like science fiction was kind of mostly about like what robots would be like and stuff like that. Oh, um, freak Herbert yeah, said, dude. fuck that shit. Eh? Not a <laughs> single damn robot in Doom. No fucking robots. No robots and at all. If I if I can jump in and say that that was probably his master stroke. Um, honestly, mm-hmm. just having an in-world explanation for why computers don't exist. Um, mm-hmm. Let's... I think I've said this before, and I think it bears repeating that Dune, the 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 setting itself holds within it um, sort of two contradictory things, right? This far future, uh, but then this baroqueness that still has like uh, landed mm-hmm. gentry and corporations that are run by the same landed gentry, <laughs> which feels mm-hmm. um, I don't know, it still feels relevant today. I don't know what is Bezos up to again. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's such a rich book. But what Dune is, and what a lot of people seem to not get, is that it's a story about things that already happened. It's a future history, and so mm-hmm. a lot of people read Dune and they come and they see like, oh, the Bene Gesserit are these fucked up coven of women who are manipulating things behind the scenes. That means Frank Herbert hates women. It's like. No, what he's saying is that like rich people in the future will be fucked up and like this is like how fucked up they'll be. There's no real like good guys or bad guys. It's just a bunch of schemers. It's a telling of history. Yeah, Yeah, it really is like here are the events that happen. Even like, you know, Paul is like as close to kind of a good guy as there is. But then if you read if you like continue to read the books it's like well that didn't like really work out well, if, all that well, well for if you everybody. read this book you have t- you have princess irulan helpfully telling you that muadib uh eventually makes ski- makes drums from the skins of his enemies so he's mm-hmm. actually not, you are is already like you're told like almost from the jump that like no this is actually not a savior narrative per se this is something that happened this one guy had like a really overbearing stage mother and was able to like really catapult him to the top of the scene and it just ended up changing the fate of humanity uh for all time and that's what the story is about it's about like how these small choices that these people make end up drastically changing the course of human events tens of thousands of years to come it's quite interesting and quite fun and such a big expansive book you know i agree as with what carlo was saying you know with regards to like you know not having technology in this book because it does make it so much more human uh than i think a lot of than a lot of science fiction and certainly a lot of science fiction like of the time um this like it makes it entirely about like human geopolitics and about like the character trend the characters yeah as opposed to like these sort of like weird sort of moral questions about like what makes ai alive or whatever that ultimately like kind of don't actually like matter in the real world like this is this like has more to say about like human nature than i think you know a lot of the the sci-fi that sort of preceded it um and is what made it so influential and still such like a, a compelling read even today yeah i i would even argue that um just having something like a phrase like the Butlerian Jihad 
uh, be mm-hmm. the the sort of we need one by the way <laughs> we, we sort of do but but maybe after we finish the podcast at least uh, <laughs> um, but but I I think that it's it's also apart from uh, being like a, a really interesting masterstroke narratively to then focus on this very sort of humane. Uh, an, an inhumane universe, really. It, it is mm-hmm. really an inhumane universe. Um, it it also is like that line, you know, the 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 now very memed line from you know A New Hope. You know, the clone what? So you just have like oh the Butlerian Jihad. Yeah, that's when we got rid of all the computers, and then it, it explains why the Mentats exist, why like right. the the drive to. Um, I don't. I, I hesitate to say this, but to perfect certain talents in humanity's own, you know, mm-hmm. psyche and whatnot. And you know, this is within the milieu of late '60s uh, and the end of the '50s, where there were still ideas like semi-eugenist or not semi uh, sure. eugenicist ideas about you know, like psi powers and stuff like that. Um, and and granted, I think that. Um, Joseph Campbell, uh, then editor of uh, Astounding, which then became Analog, which first serialized Dune, was very taken in by all that, you know, psionics and and psychic abilities and stuff like that. So he probably really enjoyed the um, those aspects of uh, what he became, what became serialized in in that magazine, and later became Dune. Um, so it's it's just a very fascinating thing. Uh, to me, to to see that sort of embodied in a in a work that is just so rich yeah. and has so many ideas sort of like embedded in it. And Leslie, like kind of to your point, you know, one of the things that is so so fun about Dune is that yes, it's about sort of House Atreides and it's this classic sort of battle between House Atreides um, and the Harkonnens. Um, there is so much more sort of going on in this universe. Like as you're reading this book, you keep sort of like, you know, even just Princess Irulan, you know, sort of having these like, you know, quotes at the start of each chapter sort of hints at there being this larger world. We hear about the emperor. A lot of this stuff obviously was like cribbed pretty much like wholesale by George Lucas when he did Star Wars, (laughs) which honestly, like Star Wars, while I love it very much, it really is just like a kid from Modesto who's like into like Mel's Diner, Red Dune, and kind of like made like the car fan version of Dune. You know what I mean? Like the totally pop version of Dune. Even like talking about the Emperor and talking about like the spice mines of Kessel and all this kind of shit. Like there's a little bit of plagiarism even going on in there. Um But yeah, I mean, you know, it is this sort of classic, you know, good guys versus bad guys story. But part of the fun of it, you know, is like even that the Harkonnens have power. You know what I mean? Like that there is this emperor, but he allows a house as evil and as fucked up as the Harkonnens to even have rule. You know what I mean? And it kind of like, you know, it just, just this sort of like feudal you know uh monarchist kind of feeling like just makes it feel so much more human um and and related to the world that we live in i mean it's just like straight up politics these are political parties more or less like the houses operate as like a political body in like a senate there's like votes and rules and what ha- what the story of dune is basically a sort of coup because the emperor emperor mm-hmm 
is worried and we don't find out this out until much later and that's one of the things i like about dune is that like the most everybody has motivations you don't always know what they are people mm-hmm. lie to each other which is like when you read the book you realize like how it's a number one reason it's hard to adapt a film is because you like you can't tell like have characters like tell like more than one lie in a movie mm-hmm. without like confusing the fuck out of the, the audience. It's just hard to convey that stuff. But right. everybody in here has multiple loyalties. You don't know where they stand. They lie. They get things wrong a lot. The most noble characters are the ones that make the most mistakes and are like the least intelligent, actually. Yeah, I mean, another reason why it's really hard, I think, to adapt to film um, is because the perspective uh, and POV of the way the book is written is like kind of unique, actually. This is a like true sort of omniscient narrator book, and it like hops from what people are thinking to what other people are thinking. So much like omniscient narrator books still kind of like you know, portray the story from one character's perspective. Dune is such an interesting book because it's like multiple people in a scene, you'll get like what their exact thoughts are, you know, which really does add to the kind of like, you know, diplomacy games being played and you really get like a overall kind of view uh, uh, of everything, you know, and see how these politics are being played out. I think um, to, to your point, Jack, the, that may be one of the the primary reasons uh, that the one scene that I know I know Leslie uh, you have complained about uh, in in both adaptations of the film uh, is missing, which is the dinner scene, and that yes. the 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 back and forth like the the people speaking and then thinking about what their motives are and then thinking what the other person's motives are the things like i think it would be um it it just comes so hot and heavy but in the text you can sort of follow it and in a i i don't know how you could portray like all of the richness that is in that scene on the Mm -hmm. screen uh without something being lost is it atreides custom to insult their guests the banker demanded before paul could answer Jessica leaned forward, said, Sir, and she thought, we must learn this Harkonnen creature's game. Is he here to try for Paul? Does he have help? My son displays a general garment, and you claim it's cut to your fit? Jessica asked. What a fascinating revelation. She slid a hand down to her leg, to the Chris knife she had fastened in a calf sheath. Part of what makes Dune great is, like, it really can best operate as a book you know what i mean and there's almost something like weirdly and i think this like you know comes from you know what leslie was talking about about this being a history there's almost something that feels like weirdly like biblical about it or something like that there's like a very just sort of you know this is etched in stone tablets feeling about dune if you haven't read the book the one that we're talking about is the one where lady jessica is at dinner with these you know various diplomats and merchants uh from iraq is in the meeting and she basically is deciding whether or not she's going to cut someone's throat for making these subtle uh digs at her and her son and just that's just it gives you like that that just small scene right there gives you more of 
information about Lady Jessica's character and who she is, then I think you get in the entirety of like Denny news films. Like she, she's more active than that, and in the whole film and in the book, she's really and on reading this is rereading it this time it was very clear. Like she's the main character until book two. She is mm -hmm. the protagonist, mm -hmm. more or less, in the entirety of book one. And she's the protagonist of this story because I, I don't know if we can even get into a full plot summary without getting lost. But the basic driving force of what happened in Dune is Lady Jessica was supposed to have a daughter. Um, the Bene Gesserit mm -hmm. have, are trying to use basically a eugenics experiment to create a male Bene Gesserit for, for, for some reason only women are able to do the rituals and become Bene Gesserit which are basically like the Dune Jedi the proto Jedi and get yeah. all the power but they but they're almost like crazier and cooler than Jedi oh because yeah they Wait. use like sex as part of their Jedi powers and all sorts oh of yeah crazy they're Jedi shit. who fuck who aren't like the <laughs> <laughs> Jedi who are cool actually um, that, that have, but, that have actual Actual emotions instead of like weird, yeah. bland, like, oh, yes, no attachments means I have no emotions. Don't feel any emotions. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, the, 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 the Benny Jesuit are basically like the opposite. They're like, we use attachments to like further our goals and like specifically, you know, ensnare people using attachments and sex and love. And mm -hmm. yeah, Benny Jesuit are crazy. Yeah, I mean, um, Jesus Christ, we're even jumping back far further. So, all so the Benny Jesuit <laughs> have built a seeded various religions across the galaxy that they can use <laughs> as part of this eugenics experiment leading to what they will call a messiah but is actually we actually i actually don't know if we know why the Bene Gesserit are working towards the quisas Halarak in the first book exactly what they're hoping to accomplish but basically they're looking to create a male Bene Gesserit who they would tell was a savior but actually is the product of a long-running genetic experiment throughout the most famous houses uh, in the Dune universe and Lady Jessica was supposed to have a girl to further this experiment that and she, that girl would have presumably made it with uh, Fade Ratha who we'll get into a little bit or mm -hmm. maybe someone else and that girl and then that would have led further down the line but Lady Jessica because she loved Duke Leto uh, so much her husband not husband excuse Oopsie me Daisy not supposed to do that they're not married <laughs> she is technically his concubine because of the rules yeah. of Dune she's a commoner and she's also a Harkonnen which we Jesus it's, it's like it's just so much it's so much <laughs> but basically she was supposed to have a daughter but she has a son instead she gives him the Bene Gesserit training as long as well as Mentat training and extremely high level fighting skills so it's like about this story of dune is very complex but it's also about like the most badass like dude that ever lived and like he's <laughs> like a jedi and like a ninja he's basically like batman of this universe and because of his existence and the fact that he can see the future somewhat not very clearly all the time mm -hmm. he sees through these he has visions and he can sees you know these opportunities to change the future to alter the future but and as he tries to navigate this path which will not take him down the road to becoming a this savior figure he ends up walking himself straight into it leading arrakis and the entire galaxy into war and he's just like a 17 year old boy who's just caught up in this massive plot that started hundreds of years before he was born um it, it's sort of difficult to uh, engage with people who will insist that Dune is a white savior 
yes. uh, storyline mm-hmm. because really like if you think about it like this is <laughs> this is instrumentality of man uh 1.0 <laughs> before before evangelion yeah. <laughs> and you know you know the, the wanted him you know just shinji get on the worm come on um, yes <laughs> uh, so you know he is a he is as much a pawn as anyone else except that he fights it for a time and then realizes that after a moment like his own actions have cut off so many threads that uh, of possible futures that he only has the one way which is the golden path which he knows will con- you know create like this horrific genocide on like an interstellar level and at that point, he's like, well, well, I guess that's the way I go. <laughs> this is the one. Yeah, the one at least possible, at least so that he's you know? not fully controlled and a puppet of the Bene Gesserit, which is, I think, his mm-hmm. main thing. Yeah. And that whole plot description is only one of that I just gave. And then we're talking <laughs> about it. That's only one of the plots. Right. The other like one thread. Yeah, that's one the thread one going thread. Through it, yeah. the, the other relevant thread is that his father, uh, Duke Leto Atreides, is, is ensnared in this trap by the emperor. He's the Harkonnens have been running Dune into the ground. Mm-hmm. They've not been doing very good management. It's like, and we haven't even mentioned like the why dune is important which is because it's like that there's the spice, spice the which spice. is a drug number one the spice that is the gets you high <laughs> and rocks like the number one spice rocks but number two it like is what it's like how people become mentats and how and how they have these sort of like space navigators which yeah. by the way the navigators kick ass and it was such a disappointment not to see them in the vietnam <laughs> film you know they're like these like people that were men but they then were like human. have been like twisted and changed by the spice to be like these little weird like huge head aliens small limb and so you know the same way because no computers are used in dune they're the ones who are able to like do the calculations to like fold space uh, um so that they can like even travel to these like distances so like spice just to begin with why dune is so important is because it's the source of the spice um and the only known source of the spice yeah the spice is basically like how they're able to have people that are akin to computers you know which is the only way that we can all live in space like this yeah it's gasoline and and like cocaine at the same time like and it's the most important uh resource and the harkonnens were running the planet a lot of people didn't seem to understand. First of all, it's not really a white savior narrative because there's there's like no one dominant faction in like completely dominant faction in any of this. The emperor is under the boot of the navigators, but the navigators re- are reliant on the spice, which they which mm-hmm. the Fremen end up being uh, partially a control of eventually. But the t- uh, late uh, but the Harkonnens are the Atreides. Like a lot of people think that's the battle, but they're kind like both those houses are like pawns of a larger thing. They're ulti- under the emperor. Yeah, they're, under- they're ultimately, you know, and the movie does do a decent job of sort of like playing with that idea uh, and laying it out clearly that yes, like the Atreides were sort of gifted Dune to like foment a war between them and the Harkonnens because the emperor kind of sees the Atreides, you know, being beloved on their home planet as a threat to his rule. And well, actually not even just beloved. He was afraid that the Atreides could or fighting force had gotten better than his. And we don't right, find that right. out until like book two or three in in the novel like why like this betrayal happened which i like like is just a very like 
like the the new novel is so patient, um, and mm-hmm. it does require a bit of patience. You will not know why things are happening. You will not know why would Luke, why would uh, the Duke even walk into what is obviously a trap? You find out a bit later why. Why would the Emperor help the Harkonnens when the Harkonnens are like a problem? You find out later why. Like there's reasons uh, for everything. It just takes a little bit of patience uh, to dive into them because even the characters don't know everything and all the motivations and who a lot of mm-hmm. people are like one of my favorite characters you know Liet Kynes the planetologist we don't find out till later that actually this is a motherfucking full-blooded Fremen like whose name rings out in the siege we don't find that out till much uh later we when we first meet him he we think he's kind of like this geeky like scientist he's a planetologist uh but it turns mm-hmm. out that he has this whole like he's actually fomenting what is um going to eventually be the fremen's attempt to turn dune into an oasis which would also stop the spice production i was just thinking about how that complicates the fremen's claim to power of present power is the fact that they have to balance out like their idea of paradise on earth like a, a a material paradise by terraforming dune which would kill the sandworms and yeah. mm-hmm. when the sandworms die the spice is gone and and that that would also that would also uh, disintegrate the the interstellar uh, society mm-hmm. that is the present. entire yeah the entire because empire the, pretty much yeah like like Jack was saying like the in, the entirety of that communication and uh, distribution process of everything is dependent on the navigators being able to fold space and they need the spice melange to do that. Yes, and and it also complicates, you know, the idea that the Fremen are like these indigenous people who are being oppressed. They have their own ends and goals, and humans aren't indigenous to Arrakis at all, obviously. Uh, it's, it's subtly hinted at in the first novel, but Dune is our future. There is an Earth and a so, and our solar system. Oh, yeah. Spring and the Atreides the- are like descendants from like the Greeks, like it, which was a fun, I think, I think it was the second novel that does that, but that's like a fun reveal where you're like, holy shit, this isn't even like Star Wars where it's a wholly different universe or whatever. They're, these are like Greek houses having like been gone to space. Well, that 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 is something that is, um, I think that in, I think both the Villeneuve and the Lynch adaptations have to play Duke Leto as sort of like this, um, sort of like a tragic figure who isn't aware, but in the book, he's fully aware that he's walking into a trap. He, he is doing the old star Wars thing. I was like, Oh, well we're, we're in a trap that will spring it. Um, but he was, I have to, yeah. yeah, I mean, but at the same time, like he's tragic in, in a very sort of Greek tragedy sort of way, because his own father, was it his grandfather? who died, who couldn't stop, uh, uh, like, fighting bulls, is gored by a bull. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he keeps the bulls, the bull that killed his his grandfather uh, head over his dining room to remind him at all times. And then is, like, he's got his fatal flaw that he does not re- realize that um, any one of his uh, inner circle of advisors could become uh, sort of turned by his enemies. Uh, mm-hmm. And just like Lady Jessica, weirdly, uh, as we were mentioning before, the Benedict Gesserit use these attachments to uh, sort of as leverage to 
keep their plan going. Weirdly, none of them planned on Lady Jessica becoming attached to Duke Leto and for love, giving him a son instead mm. of a daughter. So I, it's just so I, I feel like there's so many little layers to this that um, I will say that I find uh, Herbert's prose isn't exactly the most shining or literary sure but at the same yeah, time but at the same time like his ideas and the way he structures everything is so fascinating to me uh that's almost what i mean about it feeling like biblical or something like that where you're like the prose is not like the most flowery or like you know art artistic in its way but it just feels like a real history well, it, of things that happen and, and, i'm like well but that's just what happened and he's kind of right trying to write it out as plainly as possible and let us know what every single person thinks so that we can understand all of it yeah uh but yes it's not the most flowery or sort of you know uh pretty the, prose. But it does have its moments it does like uh some of the like um liet kynes's death scene Mm -hmm. I think is very beautifully um, written and ties into this theme where he's being killed by the planet uh, that he loves after the Harkonnens spring, spring their trap and you know, attack all the loyalists uh, to the trees. And there's, you know, this quite really poignant moment that is mo usually skipped over in the adaptations. And you like, these are just these things the richness that Dune has and these moments that you get with all these characters and all the perspectives that you see make it just a, a book that, as you said, Jack feels really human and not mm -hmm. about the spaceships and the sci-fi or even necessarily all time, the time, the politics or the themes. It's about, you know, these people going through this historic uh, moment and what was it like for them uh, to do that? They've come, Kynes thought. My Fremen have found me. Then he heard the sand rumbling. Every Fremen knew the sound, could distinguish it immediately from the noises of worms or other desert life. Somewhere beneath him, the pre-spice mass had accumulated enough water and organic matter from the little makers, had reached the critical stage of wild growth. A gigantic bubble of carbon dioxide was forming deep in the sand, heaving upward in an enormous blow, with a dust whirlpool at its center. It would exchange what had been formed deep in the sand for whatever lay on the surface. The hawks circled overhead, screeching their frustration. They knew what was happening. Any desert creature would know. And I am a desert creature. Kynes thought. You see me, father? I am a desert creature. He felt the bubble lift him, felt it break and the dust whirlpool engulf him, dragging him down into cool darkness. For a moment, the sensation of coolness and the moisture were blessed relief. Then, as his planet killed him, it occurred to Kynes that his father and all the other scientists were wrong that the most persistent principles of the universe were accident and error. Even the Hawks could appreciate these facts. Yeah, I think also that uh, what lends it that gravity uh, is the fact that we've been sort of talking about it a little bit um, without saying exactly what it is, which is like the cyclicality. Like, even though it's the far future, somehow they're, they're re reenacting 
like the spice wars of yeah. the middle ages or the the mm-hmm. the oil crude wars of the of the of the 70s which you know let's just say that um you know this was something that uh, Herbert was already thinking about in 65, mm-hmm. I think, when he was started reading, uh, writing this. So, you know, and we didn't see it as sort of like a society in the U.S. at least until mid-70s. Uh, and let's be, let's, I mean, let's say it, Baron Harkonnen is Trump, right? Like, he just is, <laughs> like, a very Trumpy figure, or even, like, maybe the liberal <laughs> fantasy of Trump, because Gidi Prime, I was so baffled that they left this out of the 20 uh news film is like a fascist dictatorship run by baron harkonnen and, the, and he's and um harbor is very specific about like all the slaves that they have and the fighting pits and like the lockdowns and the surveillance and it's like well i don't think even um lynch's really gets into it we see a lot of cool visuals of giddy prime but we don't know like there's a political like a fascist political structure there and we see harkonnen uh on top of it he's a serial killer and yet we still are given like his perspective and his character does have some death is he's like pure evil but still has but like every character in this book he has actual reasons for way why he does things he has motivations he's not evil just for evil's sake and it's just like every single character in this book is becomes fascinating uh in one way or another and that's just i i love this book so much and i wish people talked to look focus more on the characters because it's not about the sandworms it's not about the spice it's about it's about it's about you know lady jessica and her love for her duke and how she changed the entire history of humanity just because she loved this dude it, it it is more you know than 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 even just armies moving around and stuff like that like it, it is you know about geopolitics but it is also like such a human book and so so much about like love and sort of character interaction but and some, everything. somewhat contradictory to that though when they do talk, talk about the military they talk about economics when when baron harkonnen is talking about why he does this why he does that because ships cost money like I have to mm-hmm. be able to pay for this shit. You don't hear fucking uh, Palpatine talking about like the cost <laughs> of like getting ships built or something. But you get that building in another Death Star. Well, uh, oh, don't even get me started on Rise of Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> Fifty thousand starships. Just I guess they sprout out of the ground now. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is it is so fascinating because he he is really uh, getting into sort of like a, a political economy. Uh, uh, you know, especially when you talk when you're talking or, or, or following Baron Harkonnen's point of view, or the the Padishah Emperor, uh, his point of mm-hmm. view, and and uh, I mean, you don't get a lot of the navigators. You only get sort of like hints of what the navigators would want because you know th- there are s- certain you know like the navigators as well as the Bene Gesserit or the Bene Tleilaxu, uh all have competing. Um, sort of interests and all of them mm-hmm. want a portion of the, you know, like the, the profits that you can do, you know, that you can extract. And, you know, that that's one of the things that, um, that uh, when the Atreides are assigned to Arrakis, uh, Duke Leto is, is trying to uh, take advantage of because he knows that the Harkonnens have sent, you know, they had sent initially the Beast Raban, uh, to just be fully extractive, just you know, mm-hmm. put the boot on the necks of everyone, including Fremen, 
without really thinking or trying to understand the people that live there. Just more spice. That's all we need. Hawat unfortunately had a master whose resources were poor. One who could not elevate a mentat to the sublime peaks of reasoning that are a mentat's right. Hawat will see a certain element of truth in this. The Duke couldn't afford the most efficient spies to provide his mentat with the required information. Let us never deceive ourselves, Nefud. The truth is a powerful weapon. We know how we overwhelmed the Atreides. Hawat knows too. We did it with wealth. With wealth? Yes, my lord. I give you different instructions about Arrakis this time, nephew. When last you ruled this place, I held you in strong reign. This time, I have only one requirement. My lord. Income. Income? Have you any idea, Raban, how much we spent to bring such military force to bear on the Atreides? Do you have even the first inkling of how much the guild charges for military transport? Expensive, eh? Expensive? The Baron shot a fat arm toward Raban. If you squeeze Arrakis for every cent it can give us for 60 years, you'll just barely repay us. The Sardaukar decide that they want to eradicate the Fremen just to get practice fighting in case they have to go to war in the future, which is just awful, but, like, it's done in such a bureaucratic way. And Har Baron Harkonnen is like, actually, this is kind of fucked up. Like, why are y'all doing this? Like, we don't need to eradicate the Fremen. And I think people get, get the impression that everybody on Arrakis is, like, a Fremen or like in the royal houses but there's like a bunch of there's like millions there's mil, there's a bunch of people living there who aren't like native fremen or people who are native there who don't which is, consider which themselves is, which is fremen really missed in the movie yeah like there's other people besides the fremen the fremen are one faction actually people think the fremen are relatively small because they live in the desert and they have m many more people than like the larger D world of dune actually know exists or believe can exist they always say like no one could live out in the desert when the fremen actually have a f millions of people living in their sieges but that's kept secret there's the you know the cities in dune are massively populated with fremen necessarily mm -hmm. yeah and i think that is something that's missed in the movie and uh, the only one uh, that actually gets it a little bit is the sci-fi miniseries you know when they first arrive we do see some of the villages and the villager people and everything like that but yeah the, the the movies both actually just dune feels just completely empty i'm like it has that star wars sequel trilogy feeling of of you're like are there like 50 people on this planet <laughs> yeah. other than i mean like, eventually they're like there's thousands of fremen but i'm like is this planet literally like yeah like less than five thousand people or something like that that viewpoint is something that herbert manages well um in part because I i'm you know i'm sure that uh his you know he was a distant relation to uh senator mccarthy right <laughs> mm. And he was a speechwriter for I forget which Republican senator at the time, but but you know like he probably was well aware that you know in any given sort of a situation where there's going to be a revolutionary change, there's probably about forty percent of the given population that is not at all plugged into what is actually happening. So then you have thirty percent on one side and thirty percent on the other that are trying to change things or you know exercise power in their own way, you know, based on their own interests. So it it does, yeah, it is really interesting because, um, yeah, like like Leslie said, the the Fremen aren't the 
uh, dominant or at least the, the, the most powerful faction on Arrakis, uh, simply they just sort of opted out. <laughs> they sort of opted yeah. out of the, the, the main system and try <laughs> to recruit and, and keep themselves safe. Yeah, and they trade with the people. With, they do a lot of trade, and they trade even uh, except with the Harkonnens because they, they they don't fuck with the Harkonnens. But they trade with these various these various groups that are on Arrakis as well. And like, it's not all just about like Paul and the Atreides family and the Harkonnen family. You get the sense that the world is bigger. Even the Emperor is afraid of the Landsrod. Um, because if they find out that he was involved in the coup in the killing of Duke Leto, that's going to be a problem for him because then the, all the other houses are going to wait, say, wait a minute, if he's bumping off a Atreides, he might bump off me. And that's going to create a problem and they're going to come after the Emperor. So there's no one faction that is actually all powerful until... Uh, Paul is able, once he becomes, you know, full-blood Fremen, is able to develop a plan to stop spice production and is able to basically hold the entire galaxy in the palm mm -hmm. of his hand, universe maybe, in the palm of his hand because he controls the one thing that everybody needs, uh, spice. And he says multiple times, like, who can destroy a thing controls it, not you know, the people who have the manufacturing facilities to mine the spice and the distribution. No, it's the people who can blow that shit up. Food yeah. for thought, yeah. perhaps, for uh, <laughs> for for modern times. Um, and it really is Leto II, as the books continue, who, like, really becomes the, like, sole, you know, uh, like, the sole monarch of the entire universe. Yes. But I guess that's for another time. Yeah, yeah. God, God <laughs> well, we could jump ahead maybe a, a little bit, because, I mean, there's so much in Dune. There's only... Uh, where to pick up, but we should talk a little, but people have been asking us to talk a little bit about the books that come in the future. We'll jump back uh, to uh, Paul in a bit, but what do y'all think of the follow-ups? Because a lot of people knock them, but I actually think they're pretty good and pretty interesting, and as Jack likes to say about the prequels, it's what happened. So it's what happened. It is the rest of the story. You know, <laughs> I, I think that maybe the first Dune book is the most solid, you know, even though it does end on kind of a cliffhanger, it still feels like just very solidly like its own complete story. You know what I mean? And it would have been fine to leave it off there. With that said, I do really like the follow up books yeah. um, until maybe like five and six to me feel maybe the least essential. Like if you're reading the Dune books, I would say definitely don't stop uh, until you're through God Emperor. Of oh, Dune you got to see the God like, Emperor. You got to oh, meet the God that, Emperor. You got to read the God Emperor. Also, just the like the perspective of that novel being like from from the perspective of literally like an omniscient god god it's yes. like pretty wild <laughs> well, I, a, 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 a person who's lived for thousands of years and sh or hundreds of years and, yeah that's some wild it's, shit it's really funny too because he he sort of happens upon a way to become uh semi-immortal that doesn't require any of the 
uh, outside factions to make him like we, we you know we're, we're on what the like the 10th duncan idaho gola yeah. by the time yeah. that he keeps on killing which is just a funny a funny thing to include it's like, fucked yeah. up what <laughs> happens yeah. to duncan I, we have to say yeah. poor duncan just a dude being a bro and he ends yeah. up being like re- resurrected again and again to die again and again poor Poor man. It, it's it's like he he's like the 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 version of uh you, you remember the trick for uh, Super Mario where you could get ninety nine lives and then like <laughs> you just kill everyone except the last one, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what happens to Duncan Idaho. Uh, but yeah. but yeah, like uh, it is funny that Leto two um, happens upon a way to immortalize himself that does not require uh, the the Bene Tleilaxu or the Bene Gesserit or anyone else. He just sort of like, oh, uh, the little sandfish, uh, you can attach them to yourself. And <laughs> he makes himself like a weird worm mech suit. <laughs> and that that is basically like the perspective character of that book. Like a man who is like morphed, a, like become a sandworm and is pretty much omniscient and has lived all this time. Like that's a wild book to read. That's the one thing I will say for the Dune books is that like it's almost even hard. Like the first one, you can definitely make some connections to like the real world. And you're like, OK, this is about resources and it's about like mankind and politics. As the books continue, I don't even say this as a criticism, but they become about almost nothing except like Dune. <laughs> like they just become like so self-reflexive. But I got to say, Herbert like goes all the way. Like he plays out these ideas like in full. He doesn't flinch. You know what I mean? Like he's like, OK, like let's make a character. So then what would happen is like Leto the second, like, you know, forces them to stay on the golden path. And he like does that. You know what I mean? Well, like we really do I mean, like see that through to the end it is it is sort of funny because it does uh even though it feels really way off i mean once arrakis becomes the center of power of the known universe i mean uh, you know you, you've heard it a, a thousand times at the the center of the metropole because like essentially goes up its own ass uh to mm-hmm. you know to justify itself it's paying attention to itself rather than anything that's yeah. happening outside and this feels like exactly um that just in a novel form uh <laughs> where where leto is just in, he's just interested in what leto wants to do you know Yes. Yeah. Uh, at and least I think until- the books like also kind of become a little that way as well, yeah. you know, and I and I do love them and I really love the world of Dune quite a lot. But yeah, getting, you know, getting to, you know, especially past God Emperor Dune into Heretics mm-hmm. and uh, Chapter House Dune, although I I found myself actually really liking Chapter House Dune. And, you know, I kind of liked the like future of the Benny Gesserit and all this stuff and the kind of conclusion of the Duncan Idaho Gola story and everything like that. But, you know, especially given that, you know, um, that Heretics and Chapter House were supposed to be the first two of like a trilogy that mm. um, Frank Herbert wasn't even a- wasn't able to finish. And then his like dumb son and Kevin J. Anderson, the Star Wars Extended Universe writer, ended up finishing that that plot thread with a bunch of their like prequel characters and shit like that. Uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. It's like maybe not necessarily worth uh, reading those. I do want to mention there's a guy on Twitter. I just saw him start doing this uh, today. In fact, perfect timing. Uh, Blake Blaker Sim at Blaker Sims. I'll put the link in the show notes or the uncle King. He is doing like a cart, a uh, really cool comic book sort of adaptation 
of certain mm. scenes from Chapter House Dune, and it looks okay. so cool. Chapter House Dune is kind of sick, actually. <laughs> and I grew to like my I, I grew to like Miles Tag, and yeah, I'm 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 kind of a fan of those last couple Dune books, but it just is un, unsatisfying because because they don't finish. I, I also am like a fan of the kind of evil Benny Gesserit, the honored Matres, uh, but again. <laughs> It just is unfortunate because it doesn't conclude in any sort of real way. I mean, it's uh, so uh, have either one of you read any of the Wheel of Time stuff? I would not necessarily recommend a 13 book, uh, <laughs> a 13 book series to you. But but I will say that uh, if if we had not gotten the Bene Gesserit and the Honored Matres in uh, the, the Herbert uh, series, we would never have gotten the Aes Sedai and uh, what is it? The Shanshan or whatever the... Like basically, it's the same basic plot beat. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, you know, I feel like uh, Wheel of Time cribs a lot from from Dune in that, you know, like especially mm. in that sense. We've talked a little bit about the film adaptations. What about video games? Did either of you play Dune two thousand, the RTS, which people, I swear to God, still stand, still say mm -hmm. is like one of the greatest games ever. I played it a bit. Um, had it on PC and I thought it was quite fun. Uh, I didn't. I don't know how much Dune you get out of it, but it was a pretty damn good RTS. I I, I never got around to playing it. Sadly, I, it, it looks really interesting. I mean, it looks like Civilization mixed in with SimCity or something. Uh, maybe I'm way off base. It's a yeah, little I've bit. Never it's done a little it bit myself. plainer. I think I, from what I remember, it's a little. Bit, it's more like a pure like just combat. RTS. Mm. I may be wrong, but I remember it, it was mostly about building like bases for like you build like spice mine to mine the spice, and then we use the spice to build like ships and shit like that. So it's more like a pure, you know, just combat RTS. Oh, like but it was really fun. More like a War, War, Warcraft, the original, uh, or, or Star, yeah, yeah, or Starcraft. Age of, yeah, Age of Empires, that sort mm -hmm. of joint. Yeah, I I never uh, I haven't played any of the Dune games. The the Spice Wars one that the trailer was out for, like I don't know if it looks good or if just the aesthetic looks kind of fun. And I just like anything skinned Dune like. But uh, yeah, I've never played any of the Dune games. Yeah, the, there is a Dune Spice Wars coming out, so you have an opportunity to RTS Dune. But what I've been thinking about is that there was actually a PS2 Dune game. And I went back and looked at videos of it because, I mean, how you make a story mm. like that about Dune into a video game, right? It's mostly just people like sitting around talking about the nature of honor or whatever the fuck. You know, it's not really <laughs> like a, a very like action heavy. There's some action, but there's not a ton of it. But the video game, uh, the PS2 video game was smart enough to set the storyline exactly in the part that the book skips where mm. the... Uh, where Paul is in the desert and he's building up his army. That's the perfect scenario for a video game. In fact, that's basically the same scenario that the Shadow of War games had. And I was hoping that the Shadow of War team was working on a Doom game to tie in with to the Doom movie. But it turns <laughs> out they were actually working on Wonder Woman instead. Mm. Ah, yes, that's what they're doing right now. I forgot about that. Yeah, I think they're still they're using their nemesis system, right? Still uh, for Wonder Woman. Yeah, two a uh, very missed opportunity. You also, I think, you could probably do like a Dark Souls type game 
with Dune because every time Paul dies, you could just say that, oh, that's a vision that uh, he had. You, no, you can do work. a Dark Souls with uh, with Duncan Idaho. <laughs> I was gonna say, oh yeah, uh, oh he, set in, that's uh, fucked up. Dune. You wake up, you wake up. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Instead instead of bonfires, you have to find a uh, Benedictilaxu uh, a vat to re respawn uh, at. <laughs> Well, we do end up finding the, the what the, those axolotl tanks aren't exactly vats. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's for another that's for another episode, oh. I guess. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was a horrific uh, reveal, but yeah, we'll, we'll the, leave the it. The Tilaxu are kind of fucked up, actually. They're a little bit fucked up. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. So where are your favorite characters? I really do like the Jessica character a lot better than in any of the adaptations. Um, oh, I and- love Lady Jessica. She's so yeah. She, I think she might be my one of my favorite characters as well. She's just yeah, like she's just like a really like she's passionate and smart, and she tells like her boss to go fuck herself you know like, like how can you not respect yeah. a woman like that and like she can that. kick ass and she fight fight i loved how easily like she was able to whoop the fremen's asses i wish i wish we got to see a little bit more of that in the live action adaptations like that's the perfect opportunity if you want to add some fight scenes show lady jessica beating somebody up in the intro i don't trust your many jesserit motives he said you may think you can look through a man you may think you can make a man do exactly what you you Poor fool, Thufia, she raged. He scowled, pushing himself back in the chair. Whatever rumors you've heard about our schools, she said, the truth is far greater. If I wished to destroy the Duke, or you, or any other person within my reach, you could not stop me. That's all. That's the other thing I was going to say about the book that is fun. That we haven't really talked that much about is that the action is pretty cool, actually. The military action and whenever there are sort of like conflicts in it, like it reads very briskly and yeah. just is cool. Like the way that the way that the fights go down uh, mm-hmm. kind of kicks ass. I, f- I feel like I actually sold the action scenes short because it's not about that. I think maybe it's because the last fight scene between... Um, Paul and Fade Ratha is pro- is very condensed uh, in in the book compared to the movies. I feel like the, the other fights are more dramatic uh, in it. But yeah, the fight scenes and the action scenes are pretty good. And the talk of the wars mm-hmm. and like how they had to use you you, you could you had to use atomics. Uh, you couldn't use atomics against shields because that would like fuck everything up. But you couldn't use lasers. It, there you had to lose ballistics. Like there was actual like strategy during, especially I think book two um, and early parts of book three where you're seeing like how a war will actually take place and we didn't mention that frank herbert like took 10 years to write this and came up with the entire like ecology of the planet before actually writing the book so that's why there's so many of these little details well I, i i to your point leslie the uh i think that the attack that uh paul makes on um is it arakeen i i forget right now yes um, where he makes a calculated uh, uh, gamble to use laser weapons against the city shields to, b- to basically to create an atomic uh, an atomic explosion that blows open the shield wall and lets him just ride in on sandworms and just fuck the oh, place yeah. up is so <laughs> exciting and 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 such a such a weird um it feels like a climactic moment but it's really not it's supposed to be it's supposed to feel that way but then the ending is supposed to let you understand that no this is not this is not really supposed to make you feel good Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) paul is awful (laughs) 
Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he's not saving anyone. He's taking power. And even the Fremen, they're not freeing themselves necessarily. Like, they're in this conflict with the Sarlacar. At the end of that story, it's like the Fremen aren't just freeing themselves. It's like, no, now we are in power. And now we're going to wage jihad across the galaxy mm -hmm. and take over, like, other planets. Like, there is all a, a power game. It's not necessarily, there's no good guys mm -hmm. or bad guys or necessarily good side or bad side. There's nothing to like there's not like a big celebration to have at the end of star wars oh the empire has been defeated it's like no we've just become the empire right. yeah because that that's exactly the moment where you know you you will realize that paul also realizes that this is gonna just just be, become an imperial push to bring all of the other planets in the known universe as they call it uh under the heel of dune and Arrakis, you know, it's just sort of like a, a wild, a wild thing. Um, yeah, you're not supposed to think Paul is a great hero other than in the sense that, yeah, he is the protagonist. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's not necessarily a good guy in sort of like a moralistic sense. He's just he's morally compromised, just like everyone else. In a rush of loneliness, Paul glanced around the room, noting how proper and on review his guards had become in his presence. He sensed the subtle, prideful competition among them, each hoping for notice from Wadib. Wadib, from whom all blessings flow, he thought, and it was the bitterest thought of his life. And he doesn't think he's necessarily a good guy, and he's not even the person he like wants to be. Like he does not want the jihad to happen. He does not want to be the savior. But he realizes after a certain point, like nothing he does can change that. He even says there's even a point that comes where he says, even if I die, you know, they will martyr me. Uh, they will make me into a martyr after my death, and all the same things will happen. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, I, there is a line, I think it's in this book, where uh, I believe it's Leto tells him that um, it, it's it's a really apt description, right? Because he tells him that it's not power that corrupts, it's that power attracts the corruptible. And that is oh. such a good line that I think about it like at least once a week. Yeah. Um, yeah, the book is great. I would have to, you know, if anyone hasn't read Dune, read Dune, then read Dune Messiah, then read Children of Dune, then read <laughs> God Emperor of Dune, and fuck it. Just go all the way at that point. Just read Heretics and Chapter House, too. And then stop. <laughs> you don't need any more. Yes, uh, read the wikis for the rest and then feel feel justified that you didn't read them. Uh, folks, we have to call it there, but I feel like we got to do a part two on this. We barely scratched the surface. We couldn't talk about Fade. We didn't talk about the, his fucking thong uh, that Sting had on when he played Fade. We didn't, we didn't talk about the worms even really like that much. Like, come on. We're going to have to do another part two. We didn't get into the fucking reasons behind the blood, Larry and Jihad. Well, folks, we're, we'll leave it there for now. But thank you so much for listening to Struggle Session. Have a good Later. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus 
or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.